0: Topic 11 First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 11 First paper by H.T. Johnson, D.D. D. How can the Negroes be induced to rally more to Negro enterprises and to their professional men? H.T. Johnson, Ph.D., D.D., educator, minister, author, journalist, scholar, was born in Georgetown, South Carolina, October 10, 1857. Early life was spent in the public schools of his native town. Apprenticed to learn the printer's trade in his 15th year, worked for three years on the Georgetown Planet and Charleston Independent, gave up newspaper service for school teaching, in which occupation he earned sufficient means to enable him to enter the state normal school in the capital of his native state, and subsequently the state university, at the same place continuing his studies with credit until the fall of 1876, when colored students were no longer allowed to enjoy such advantages by the Democrats who gained control of the state. For a time checkmated, young Johnson returned to the labors of the schoolroom until the autumn of 1878, when, having been licensed to preach a year earlier, he entered Howard University as a divinity student, graduating in the spring of 1880. While at Howard, Johnson took special studies in mathematics and the classics in the college department of the university. After preaching and teaching in his native state for two years, he resumed his student life, this time at Lincoln University, Chester County, Pennsylvania, graduating with honors in the class of 83 while at lincoln he engaged in pastoral labors at oxford kennett square hosanna little wesley and morris brown philadelphia was ordained elder by bishop brown in bethel church philadelphia june eighteen eighty three having won the highest encomium for creditable examination passed in biblical classical and metaphysical studies the same year the subject of our sketch was transferred to the new england conference was stationed at chelsea matriculated in the boston university where he studied for three years in the schools of theology expression elocution voice culture and metaphysics until from failing health he was compelled to change climate and sacrifice for a season at least his ambition for learning. Between ministerial and educational services, our subject applied his time in Tennessee until the winter of 1889, when he transferred to Arkansas and was stationed at Visitor's Chapel, Hot Springs, where he remained for two years, from here he was assigned the presiding eldership of the then leading district in the state which position he held until the general conference of eighteen ninety two which elected him to the editorship of the christian recorder the leading official organ of the a m e church and the oldest and most widely known colored newspaper in the world that the literary and moral worth of dr johnson is recognized locally and in general is indicated by the place he holds in the confidence of the church his two books the preacher and divine logos have been adopted in the ministerial course of studies of his church He was the first course lecturer at Payne Theological Seminary at Wilberforce and is annual lecturer at Phelps Bible School at Tuskegee Institute at this writing. Is president of the National Association of Educators of Colored Youth, treasurer of Douglas Hospital, Philadelphia and trustee of the New Jersey Industrial School at Bordentown, prior to its incorporation by the State Board of Education. At the General Conference of 1900, Dr. Johnson was a popular candidate for the Episcopal honors of his church, and would have been numbered among the chosen ones had it not been for the triumph of foul methods rather than fair as his votes on the first and only ballot, other ballots being thwarted, being in evidence. As a man of liberal and progressive ideas and striking force of character, Dr. Johnson has already exerted an abiding influence in his race and generation. Before an opinion uncomplimentary to the colored man's interest, in the professional and business ventures of his race variety can be of weight there are several antecedent facts of primal value to be considered if devotion to either class is lacking it must be remembered that shortcoming is traceable to causes which however marked may be their effects in the negro's case Are equally marked and striking in others of similar condition. Given centuries of environments and discipline hostile to the development of racial pride and cooperation, the result will not be unlike whether the subject be the Red Man of America, the Yellow Man of Asia, the White Man of Europe, or the Dark Descendants of Africa." Time is an all-potential healer in the life of any progressive people, and it is only when races are viewed in the light of extensive discipline and persistent struggles that achievements gratifying and reassuring are to be seen. The Rothschilds, Carnegies, Vanderbilts, and towering lights in the business and professional worlds at large, are but well-favored children of a long-drawn ancestry, men in whose ancestral veins the blood and iron of hope, pluck, anticipation, and realization found outlet through the ravines and across the hilltops of centuries bygone however the claims of heredity may be made to appear in other directions they carry weight when applied to an infant race and the traits which distinguish the more advanced varieties of the human family as it is futile to attempt the solution of any problem by eliminating any of its salient factors, so it would be well for us to admit the factor of unfavorable environment, while that of an unfriendly heredity cuts so large a figure in the shortcomings and strivings of a race. The curse of slavery has so marred the visage of this otherwise comely and coming race that it will be the work of centuries to completely eradicate the awful results of its deeply embedded hoof-marks the lack of mutual confidence and inter-race alienation were among the most cherished tendrils to which the hotbed of slavery gave birth for ages that the sour grapes on which their ancestors fed should set on edge the incisors of their descendants is no less a deduction of common sense and history than the unavoidable finding of iron-clad logic. The far-reaching effect of the unwholesome environment and heredity mentioned is seen in the business and professional struggles of the more resolute and enterprising members of the race on every hand while these endeavors are in many instances healthy and promising in character the greater multitude are skeleton-like in shape and dwarfish in proportion indicating to a pitiful degree the lack of blood to supply and brain to conduct the enterprise it matters little whether it be of the professional or business type the medical practitioner and undertaker are striking exceptions to the non prosperous and unsuccessful class although the good fortune of both is due chiefly to giant causes which account for the business and professional dearth of the race in other directions. While the physicians and funeral directors of the dominant race will not refuse service to colored applicants who seek them, the fee they charge, together with the cruel usages of certain social institutions, almost invariably drift or drive the trade in question in the direction of the professionals mentioned to trace the non-support of these classes to the conditions outlined exclusively will be to ignore other prime factors in the problem under consideration and render hopeless the remedies which may be applied toward an improvement of the case However much in others, or in conditions beyond his control, lies the secret of the negro's misfortune as a business or professional venturer. The fact remains that he is himself responsible for much of the shortcomings which hamper his success, and that in his hands resides the power to improve upon the disadvantages cited the success achieved by business enterprises and professions conducted by men of the race in various communities of the different sections clearly demonstrates the capacity of those who operate and establish their merit of the support of their peoples beyond the question of a doubt in wilmington delaware boston and new bedford massachusetts Albany and Brooklyn, New York, and other places too numerous to mention, these enterprises and professions derive support mainly from white patrons, which fact is sufficient to dissipate every suspicion as to the demerit or inferiority of the articles handled or the agents patronized. Why Negro dentists, lawyers and doctors in the professions, merchants, farmers butchers smiths produce and real estate dealers in the business world can prosper and succeed without the aid or patronage of their people as is demonstrated in numerous instances is a potential query the answer to which suggests a reply to the topical question under discussion on the list of sundry answers helpful to a successful investigation of our inquiry the good offices of the race acknowledged leaders and opinion moulders occupy a leading place by constant precept and continuous example these leaders have it in their power to overcome the apathy of their followers or those within the range of their ministrations or influence, as is true of no other agents. Chief among this class are the teachers and preachers of the race. In the contact of the former with children in the schoolroom and with their parents elsewhere, the spirit of race pride and race patronage, if instilled and stimulated, cannot fail to produce the most gratifying outcome in the business endeavors of the race too much credit cannot be given the religious guides of the race for the interest and support inspired by them in this as in all uplifting services toward their people yet to the continuation of this devotion and the removal of their zeal must the eyes of the masses be directed until the royal harvest of a more prolific race loyalty be seen and gathered on every hand but on its face value may not the inquiry be construed as an impeachment of the loyalty or confidence of the race toward its leaders that the indictment is rather well founded tis true tis pity and pity tis tis true however specious may be the reasons assigned for this lack of support the real and underlying cause is the absence of integrity intelligence and race pride on the part of the people themselves the practice of constantly aiming to destroy the credit of those professional and business creditors who refuse to remain at the mercy of those who would serve only their own selfish aims is a notorious failing which the sooner outgrown or uprooted the better in the attempt to solve the problem before us The duty of business and professional men of the race toward their customers, clients, patients, and the subjects with whom they severally deal cannot be overlooked in the hope of success in our investigations. The duty which the former owe the latter can best be discharged by the application of ethical rather than ethnological standards and this should be duly borne in mind since it is the peculiar weakness of both sides to expect lenience and indulgence where probity and common sense require allowance for neither the one nor the other if it be exacted that promptness and integrity characterize the actions of one let it be demanded that the same virtues be exercised by the other if the race in other words would be induced to more liberally patronize its business and professional leaders Let the latter make it a point to furnish the articles and render the service and exercise the methods and manners which constitute the stock and trade of people who furnish standards in the commercial and professional worlds. It may be, however, that after exercising the prerogatives and applying the principles defined, the results desired are not forthcoming. In that case, it is possible that tact and faith combined with an enterprising genius may score the victory which surrenders itself only to the most patient and determined search. If the people are of mountainous proportions and are unyielding in their attitude of stolidity or unconcernment in the affairs of their business leaders, for the latter naught is left but to assume the role of Mohammed and go to the people in various ways the suggestion can be followed but in no more feasible and effective way than by an appeal to their selfish and individual interests on the principle that a people's pocket can be reached before their pride it is suggested that those who would more largely secure their trade and patronage do so by holding out to them the inducements common to cooperative business enterprises. The business represented by huge department stores operated by such merchant princes as John Wanamaker and Siegel and Cooper in their returns to their employees and the offering of bargain inducements to their patrons in general illustrate to a large degree what can be done on a smaller scale by businessmen of the race provided the experiment be deemed worth the trial the true reformers organization is a purely negro enterprise representing interests running up into the millions, having as its mainspring of success the cooperative and profit-yielding principle indicated. The foregoing illustrations, references, and suggestions cannot fail, at least in part, to answer the grave and momentous question on whose right solution so much of the race's future welfare depends. End of topic 11, first paper.